Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to part 3 of The Spectrum. Make sure you tune in to part 1 and part 2 if you haven't already. We're going to be listening to Justin's recording this time around, so we recommend you use headphones and hold somebody's hand. Like Justin would say, make sure you listen to this interview during the day, unless you want something to keep you up at night. Enjoy! All right, and we're back. So, uh, Justin, you were mentioning uh, Gary. Yeah, Gary Sudbrink. So, um, the Gary Sudbrink case is really interesting because there's a lot of different uh, layers to it, a lot of different angles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll give you basically an overview. Um, so, in 1993, uh, Gary was an Air Force captain assigned to medical work in San Antonio, Texas. And he decided to make an unannounced uh, surprise trip to visit family and friends up in Long Island, New York. Um, He didn't tell anybody about this. He didn't even tell his uh, superiors about this. Um, And, you know, um, that could have been an issue, but he decided to take the risk anyway. So um, he he went to the the airport, and when he was at the airport, he... um, he met two different men at the airport and they both were very obsessed with um, information about Gary. They were like, you know, well, who are you? Where are you from? Where do you live? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. And they kept asking him all these questions. Now he doesn't remember exactly what they were talking about. He just remembers they were obsessed with him and they were obsessed with his name. And, um, you know, he didn't think anything of it at the time. It's just, you know, whatever, talking with them. And I think like one of them was like, you know, taking notes. Um, Anyways, afterwards, he uh, he got a little weirded out by the experience. He thought it was a little unusual. So he actually phoned his landlord and he said, look, um, these guys know where I live now. I just keep an eye on the apartment. So I don't know if, you know, if they're going to rob me. He just became very paranoid at that point. He gets on the airplane and he goes back to Long Island, New York. And um, he and his father, um, they met with this guy named Coleman uh, Von Kavesky. Now, he, uh, Von Kavesky was the director of Intercontinental um, UFO Research and Analytic Network. He was the unofficial spokesperson for the UFO hearings held at the UN in 1978. Um, if you're not familiar with that, at one point, um, the prime minister of Grenada, um, Sir Eric Gary, I think his name is, he had invited, um, he kind of like assembled a, a bunch of experts on the UFO subject to speak at the UN on this. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, this is this very interesting. Is, and, is there um, information on the, uh, yes. is there oh, like yeah. a video or something on that? You can find know. tons of information on okay. this. This actually happened. There's photographs, there's documents to back this up. Um, the UN wanted to hear about this and they wanted to hear it from experts. Now, around this time, this was when um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was out. Ooh, right? Ooh. yeah. Right, so um, Steven Spielberg actually had a lot of interest in this, and he was very interested in this particular meeting. And um, I met one of the guys at another one of these UFO conferences, um, Lee Spiegel, and he's a reporter for the Huff Post, and he was actually talking about that. He was at the, those meetings. He was one of the people who was invited, and I think he had told me that uh, Steven Spielberg was very interested in this and contacted the people and was like, "Look, whatever you need, just let me know. I can help support you with like models or you know construction, so kind of like so you can paint your picture to the UN." So Von Kavesky was this UFO investigator. He was at that panel. He was meeting with Gary and Gary's dad. Um, Gary's dad uh, had a UFO sighting. Turns out he's had a few interesting encounters that I learned about later on. And his uncle had an interesting encounter too. To my knowledge at that time, Gary did not have any UFO experiences, nothing like that. But he was along for the ride because he was making a surprise visit, right? And they're like, all right, let's go. 
Um, so they meet with this guy. Um, after they left, uh, Gary decided to uh, make a phone call to his friend Mike. Now, he had known Mike for a long time. And um, again, Gary didn't tell anybody that he was in town. <laughs> all right. So he phones up Mike, and Mike says, like, Hey, man, you already called me. Gary's like, what? What are you talking about? And Mike was like, yeah, man, you already called me. And it sounded kind of like you had a cold. Um, so I didn't think it was a good idea to hang out. Gary's like, that's impossible. Like, I did not call you. And he's like, yeah, you did. And you told me that you flew in through a particular airport. Um, he said uh, he had flown in through LaGuardia. But Gary had actually come in through JFK. Okay. So what the heck? What was that, right? Now, as he's on the phone with Mike... Uh, the beep of call waiting comes through. Gary um, pushes the button, and what happened is what we'll play. It's recording number one. Um, Gary starts getting these weird, this strange phone call, this strange voice. At that time, thankfully for us, he pressed record on the answering machine. You know, back in that day, you could actually record the call mm -hmm. um, because his family had, you know, was, was used to this high strangeness um, or were, was aware of it. He instinctively hit it, and this will be clip one. Yes. I'll tell you who it is. Hello? Yeah. Do you want to speak to him? There's Gary's son, Frank, there. Yeah, who's this? Steven, are you playing games with me or what? Huh? Steven, if you're playing games, I'm going to kick your ass. So how long are you going to be back from Texas? Huh? You're being impersonated by the other voice. Yeah, this is you, Steve, you idiot. You're pissing me off. Jerk. I'm going to get you one. Let's see what it says. Review. One new call out of area. Is Steven out of the area? How long are you going to be back from Texas? Wait, say that again? You are being impersonated by the other voice. Wait, hold on. Is Steven out of the calling area or what? What do you mean you don't know? He's in Queens. Who are you talking I don't know who the fuck. Hello? Hello? There's Gary's son Frank there. Who is this? Robot. Hello? Are you going to be back from Texas? What was that again, sir? You were being impersonated by the other voice. No, be quiet, huh? Sorry, would you see that again? Hello? Being impersonated by what voice? Hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, hold on a second. Yeah, what is your question? I'll answer it. So how long are you going to be back from Texas? How long? You're being impersonated by the other voice. Right. When am I coming back? Is that your question? Okay, there was a break. Hold on. You want to know when I'm coming back to Texas? Oh, 
is that your question? So how long are you going to be back from Texas? How long am I going to be back from Texas? That question doesn't make any sense. Okay. I'll be coming back eventually. Um, I can't tell you when. You should know that question, the answer to the questions because you seem to know more about me than I do. You know what I'm saying? Are you an intergalactic uh, person? Are you an, a space alien? Sounds like you hung up. I can't believe this. It's he hung up, Gary. See if he comes back. All right, I'll hang up. So that was the first phone call. Dude, that was fucking scary. Dude, that was, you know what that makes me think of? How long are you going to be back from Texas? <laughs> Dude, that's fucking scary. What, what makes me man. think about that um, incident with Gary is is the theme that of your book is like it's tied in together. All of it's tied in together. Because when he says you're being impersonated by the other voice, that's like the, the theme of the doppelganger that you've talked about in mm -hmm. the beginning. And then that makes me think that he's like an MIB. And then, of course, they've had like a UFO experience in their family. So it's mm -hmm. like... That just, it just ties in together and it's just a phenomenon. It's, weird, it's just right? crazy. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's funny you should bring up the doppelganger thing. So in the phone call, we hear him referring to Steven. Well, who's Steven? So Gary has two brothers, uh, Brian and Steven. And at the time, he thought that this was Steven just playing a prank on him, right? And he was getting right. really upset. You can hear it in his voice. And the other person that we hear on the call is uh, Gary's dad, Bill, and his, uh, his mom, I think we heard in like the background. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And... um. What was interesting about Stephen is, well, why did he think that it was Stephen playing a prank on him? Well, a few years prior to these calls, um, Stephen, uh, Gary and Stephen, they were in Long Island, and uh, Stephen was en route to a wedding on a particular day. And when he saw this car drive up next to him, and Stephen looks over, and it's Gary making weird faces at him. Stephen's like, what the heck? And then Gary just drives off. So then Stephen tells Gary, hey, what was that all about? Why did you drive next to me to just make weird faces? And Gary's like, that wasn't me. That was not me. Well, what, what, okay, that was you. I saw you. This is what Stephen's saying. And then um, Gary's like, well, what, what car was, was, was I driving apparently? And it was the exact same make and model of the car that Gary owned, but it was parked in, uh, in San Antonio at the time. Right. Gary, yes, so he was in Long Island, but he wasn't with the car. And yet that was the car that he was spotted in. So it was this. So this is what made Gary think that maybe it was Steven playing a prank on him. Um, so they hang up that first call. Um, they don't know what to think. Well, the caller uh, called back. Yeah, this was, um, so that first call. Was that, was that the same kind of, the same day? Or yeah, this was the same, same day, yeah. Okay. So that first call is at 10.30 p.m. The second call came in at 11.10 p.m. Okay. And we can cue that up one and play that. What is your question? Yes, uh, speaking. Yes. Can I answer you any questions for you? Um, not back yet, no. How long? 
Let me answer. First, you tell me where are you calling from? Yeah, why don't you tell me where you're calling from? What do you mean, who is this? You should know who it is. It's me, Gary. Uh, wait, let me, let me ask you this question. Where are you calling from? Okay, I'll be back. Excuse me? I can't hear too well. Yeah, there's a full moon out. That's true. Could you identify yourself? Identify yourself. Why are you calling me? Excuse me? I cannot hear too well. Hold on, let me switch phones. Okay. Okay, hold on. Now, who are you? Keep an eye in the sky, he said. Keep an eye in the sky? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Uh, say that, repeat that again. Please repeat. Okay. Near Orion. Near Orion. Holy mackerel. Tonight or just on when? The full moon. Repeat. Okay. Repeat last word. I'm hearing static. How am I like to talk to him? He hung up. He hung up? Hello? Yeah, so that was that was call two. Now, I know it's a little bit hard to hear because when uh, that caller had called back, um, it, it was a lot, uh, it was a lot softer. Um, and later we'll, we'll hear the third call and it's the voice is even lower in, um, in volume still. And this I found is very consistent with reports of people interacting with men in black face to face is these things will tend to um, kind of like lose energy the more that they're around. Um, now again, is this a, a phone call from a men in black? I don't know, your guess is as good as mine, but it just has a lot right. of very um, similar, uh, similar feel to it. Um, again, in that robotic, mechanical type voice. Now, at first, when I was analyzing these calls, I thought, okay, maybe this is just a recording. Maybe somebody's just playing a tape, right? Because it's the same thing being said over and over again. But when you actually study the calls and the caller, 
um, there are slight uh, differences, slight variations in the way he delivers stuff. Um, and again, it's it's very it's very peculiar, right? Like what yeah. he's talking about. Like it's like he's sending a warning almost. Yeah. You know? The thing is, it it does sound like like he's talking to an answering machine. It sounds really automated, mm-hmm. and even the way that he's like especially in in the last call uh even the way that he's trying to interact with it he's kind of talking to it the way you would talk to like siri or to like you know your google phone or whatever Mm -hmm. giving it specific commands to see if it'll listen so Mm -hmm. it 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 sounds like he was sort of talking to something that was either recorded or you know not didn't know how to um, does not compute kind of (laughs) doesn't know how to interact with someone who's a variable you know so i i think that that it, it that that's the only thing that i can picture and this might be because we're talking about it mm-hmm. but you know from what i know from these reports of people seeing the men in black it is that they kind of come off as a little fake like yeah. fake human yep absolutely. so it's it's very like that's what i'm picturing is something that's not a like a, a real person just saying these yeah. things because either that's what they're supposed to say or you know <clears throat> they're relaying this message so it, it does feel very like automated yeah and even like when the color or the entity whatever you want to refer to it as even when it was like um phrasing its its sentences or its questions you know how long are you going to be back from texas grammatically that doesn't even make any sense yeah yeah i was just thinking that like, yeah. that really doesn't make sense like how yeah. long are you going to be back from texas right it's it's weird and so like let's go under the impression that this is a hoax right that maybe somebody's messing with gary well why would they say it like that you know it's just or it could be and i guess this is just me sort of connecting it is when you said at the beginning of the story when he got to the airport it was once he was already in in long island mm-hmm. right Th- yep. that the, that he interacted with the people oh wait no the, the, the people at the airport was still in route in, he was waiting to take, get the on, on the airplane to go to long island okay because what Texas. i'm thinking is that these people they were coming from long island so they were saying how long are you going to be back from texas as in like how long is he going to be home because this is where their center of Mm, you know whatever they're doing is and it's not like like as opposed to him being the main source he's probably just another piece that they want to connect with Mm. so they're saying how long are you going to be back here from texas Mm. because you know like you said his family had had other experiences so Mm -hmm. maybe that was something that was ongoing from those and you know they were sort of just reacting to him being there and him him being another piece of that puzzle yeah that's a really good take kevin i never thought about that yeah that's really. i mean that's that's the first thing that i kind of picked up on because it didn't make sense yeah that but now that you say it like that it makes a lot more sense like how long are you going to be back yeah like at home from texas because it's it sort of feels like he's just another piece of their investigation yeah exactly but it's not all about him it's just they're using him as a way to get their information yeah um referring back to the the family's experiences then um here's a little example like the father and uncle um this was in in 19 i think around 1988 they were um they had heard of this ufo report um in um in west virginia and um they they were en route to visit west virginia the green bank uh, telescope observatory um there was an incident out there that uh, they speculated that a UFO had cut down this telescope with like a laser. Right? <laughs> I don't know where they came up with this. Yeah, like that's really specific. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, what I found out later, actually a couple of weeks ago, is that Bill Sudbrink, he was actually um, 
very deep into the UFO investigations around Long Island, which I did not know at the time. And was that like uh, government funded stuff? Or no, was it no, just this like is just him? independent okay. people who are interested in the topic. Right? Yeah. We actually had a long conversation uh, about two weeks ago now. Um, about this which i had no knowledge of and i'm like whoa that's incredible he's got more to his story that he's telling me this is what happens people tell me a story and then there's other elements other components and they just either forget about it or they don't think it's important and i'm like that's important they don't think that it's like connected that yeah, it's yeah or sometimes exactly. you're, you're talking about one thing and then it's like you, you might go on a tangent and you get right. sidetracked and then you forget the detail you come back yeah later, but, so as yeah. they're so they went to um him and his uncle Uncle Tom, I think his name was, they went to visit this uh, Green Bank Observatory. And mm-hmm. as they were en route to this place to check it out, see if anyone will talk to them, right, about this sighting or about this UFO cutting it down with laser or whatever. Um, they had their own UFO sighting out there, like en route. So this, um, they were like, whoa, this is crazy. Now, what's interesting, though, again, how it ties to the cause, what's the point of all of this? Um, a major achievement of that particular telescope was it was the first to discover a helical magnetic field in interstellar space, coiled like a snake uh, around a gas cloud in the constellation of Orion. Oh. Synchronistic, <laughs> coincidental, I don't know. Was this caller aware of the sightings that uh, his dad and uncle had prior? I mean, this was several years prior. He said, keep an eye on the skies near Orion. Right. Now, they went out that night, and they looked up, and they watched the skies. They didn't see anything. So, what was the point? You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, I, you know, growing up in the Adventist religion, I've heard so much about how people think that Orion is the significant one. Because it's the only constellation that you can see from anywhere around the world, wherever you are, you can see Orion. So what uh, what I've heard is that they believe that that is where you know like Jesus God's Christ gonna is going to come back, yeah. because you know in the Bible it says that everyone's going to see it, and they're like, okay, but how's that going to work if you know people in China see this, blah blah blah, and blah blah, and who knows what the flat earthers think? But like, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> It's the only one that you can see from wherever, you know, you are. Yeah. And so it's it's strange that there's that significance there and then they're putting that in here. Huh. You know? That's really That's interesting. another one of those, you know, coincidences yeah. that maybe it's not a coincidence. Maybe it's not so So later then that same night at eleven thirty eight PM, the caller comes back. And he calls one more time that night. Three times in one Three night. Three times in one night. He's getting desperate. Right. And now this is going to be a little bit harder to hear because the voice is a lot lower. Um, but you could still make it out. Um, but he'll ask things like, you know, I, tra- I transcribed this in the book. Um, I also put this on my website, normalparanormal.org. So anybody can go to the site and they can, um, it's the post is, uh, I think, strange or creepy calls from a, strange entity i think that's what i refer to the post as but i have this all transcribed so people can if they're if they're listening to this and they're following along they can look on my website and go buy it. the book too guys come on the men in black's like oh god i'm getting really tired <laughs> yeah it's draining all my energy you'll hear it you'll hear it in this call so we'll cue it up one okay yeah it's taking time from the talk who is this Steven, I'm gonna, you're, this is not funny, you know. Brian, it's not Steven. What do you mean, Brian? I mean, uh, Gary. How do I know it's not Steven? It's not Steven. Hello? I had a uh, 
UFO experience in West Virginia, which you probably know. And I know that you're into uh, an intergalactic person. Can you speak a little louder? Sir, can you speak a little louder? Louder? Let me speak to him, Dad. I guess I don't know. What All right, I'll hang up so you can talk to me. He wants to talk to you. Okay. Hello, can I help you? Hello. Yes. Yes, that's me. Yes, could you please identify yourself? Identify. Yeah, I'm back. I'm in Texas right now. Oh, he asked me a question. No, I'm in New York right now. You know that. Why do you ask me such a question? Yes. Stephen, if this is you, um, I swear to God, I'm going to be pissed. Huh? I'm trying to listen to him. Who are Excuse me? Okay. Uh, eventually, I'll be back from Texas. Uh, could you speak more? Please speak more. I guess it's not Stephen. I believe it because I'm getting static. Let me go on this phone because I can never hear on this phone. Hold on. Okay. Okay, please speak. Hello? Okay. Should I go out right now? Right now? Okay, see, I'm not sure where Orion is now, but we'll go outside. We show double from me. Repeat that again. So that was the uh, the third call. That was it for the for the night. Pretty weird stuff. What are your thoughts? Can that, you imagine going to so sleep after weird. that, dude? Uh, I <laughs> like, know, right? <laughs> it makes you wonder, Crazy. right? Yeah. yeah. Now, this yeah. is one of the few times that we actually have these strange things on audio. Three um, times in one night. That's just as... Like, okay, so three times in one night, Orion's belt has three stars. Well, that's interesting. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, I think my heart would just be, like, raising. I, I'm, like, I would just be, like... Yeah. Really like at, like, that, well, okay, at that are, point are you I, wouldn't outside, even, I wouldn't even answer like, are you outside my house like watching me or something you know but that, that's, that's so creepy because like I've gotten calls like that before but you've gotten calls like this before okay not like this but like calls where you know it's like a random time of night like you're already sleeping you get a call and then you answer it and it's just somebody breathing or they'll say like that's, one or two words and when that happens 
I just hang up. And I'm like, I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode. Ain't nobody talking to nobody right now. And that actually, dude, that happened to me for like. Those telemarketers are getting more and more creative. <laughs> right. I swear. No, dude, that happened to me. I want to say it was probably like for like, it would happen twice a week for like a month. Really? To the point where I, at, at a certain time, I, I would make sure to put my phone on airplane mode so that I wouldn't get any more calls because it was happening to the point where every night somebody would call me, I would answer the phone and it would just be somebody there breathing just like, and then I would just hang up and I'd be like, fuck that. I'm not going to do that. And then like, <laughs> and it happened so many times. And this was actually in the eighth grade. I thought it was, um, this one of our, um, classmates, his name was Nick. He had my number and he was kind of a weird dude. So <laughs> I thought it was him like playing a joke because this is totally something that he would do. But it was odd to me because it happened like at the same time. It was always between like 11 and 12 that this would happen. And it was just so scary, man. Like it freaked me out. Eventually it stopped, you know, and, you know, I stopped getting calls like that. But it's creepy when things that like that is, happen. That is unsettling. Yeah, yeah man. Like, cause it's like... It, it I, I don't think it was something like weird. Like I definitely thought it was somebody like probably right. playing a prank or something, but still, man, I'm like this, yeah, that's you know, creepy. 12 year old, 13 year old kid. And I'm trying to go to sleep. Even if it's a human, that's just creepy. Yeah, though, it's, you know? it's, it's freaky. And the fact that they were so dedicated to do it, like consistently, that pissed me off. I was <laughs> like, man, <laughs> what do you want? It's like their calendar set up. Oh, I got to call Kevin. I, that's how, that's how I played it in my head. Like it's like playing video games. Like, like, oh wait, I have to call Kevin. Yeah, right like now. he had a bell that would go off. He's like, oh, gotta make this call. Right, gotta right. freak this kid out. But yeah, man, that that's creepy, man. So you know, I had I had heard at one point that um, abductees, you know, um, mm -hmm. people involved with the alien abduction phenomenon, that they would occasionally receive phone calls as well. Um, I'd never heard any of these calls. Um, but I thought that was particularly interesting. And the what, reason why I bring this up is um, there was a, a lady that I interviewed. Uh, her name is Marie D. Jones, and she's an author. She's also a screenwriter, too. And she writes a lot of stuff. And um, she writes a lot of bizarre books, um, a lot of fascinating books. So she's no stranger to people tapping her phones or monitoring her. She wrote one particular book, um, <clears throat> Mind Wars, A History of Mind Control, Surveillance, and Social Engineering. And she said she told me that after that, um, she was followed and interrogated by the FBI for her activities, right? Oh. Um, but what transpired when she became involved with this alien abduction uh, group out in California? Is that is way that, stranger? Um, is that uh, I'm gonna butcher it. Mufon, or is that oh, a different group? Yeah, no, Mufon is a. Mufon. It's probably the largest uh, UFO organization. They investigate a lot of this stuff. Um, this was this was actually. Um, in um, relation to MUFON, okay. uh, she had a arranged a local MUFON group out of um, another woman's house that she refers to as Anna. Um, again, I don't know if that's her real name, but this is in northern San Diego County, California. And uh, Anna and her husband were both abductees. And they would um, invite other people who were abductees to kind of like talk. It was kind of like a support group, right? Gotcha. Uh -huh. So after a while, uh, Marie and Anna developed a good friendship. And then... Uh, both Anna and Marie started getting phone calls to their house. And there was a caller that sounded similar like this, very robotic um, male. And um, it was, it, Marie described it as almost as if the caller was using a voice changing gadget. Now Marie had never heard these phone calls before. 
So she had no knowledge, to my knowledge. She, gotcha. she was unaware of the Gary Sudbring tapes. Um, but the weird thing about that particular call is the caller seemed to also know things about her that no one else knew. Things like what book was lying on her bed, what she was reading, even things from her past that nobody else knew but Marie. That's creepy. Right. And Almost same, like she was being spied on. Could have been. Um, but the caller seemed to not be so much interested in the um, the group, but the particular individuals within the group. Was there a connection? Um, I don't know. But she also said that it seemed to insinuate insinuate that it could inflict physical harm on her if it wanted, but it never made that direct threat. Um, that was just the impression that she got. Um, and then when she started telling Anna about these, Anna would also tell her she was getting these calls too, but she was also getting strange visitors to her door in the middle of the night. Oh my God. And uh, her and her husband would like look out their window and they would see these um, these men, as they described, as appearing like robots, very stiff and stilted, uh, staring without blinking their eyes. Yet they still looked human, and then they just like took off. So wow. really weird stuff. They and they would never again. like answer the door or anything. It would no, just like, would you? No, I mean, like, <laughs> it's, Man, they it's just pop up stuff. everywhere. And then after that, they got so creeped out by this that they di- disbanded the organization or this little support group, and that was it. They never looked back because it was almost like they were getting infiltrated by whatever this was. Maybe that's what the yeah. men in black wanted. For I don't know. Oh, shoot. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I mean, this was like at a particular time, though, when there was no like caller ID. This was, you know, a different time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the abduction phenomenon was also not as well known as it is today. So um, there are a couple, you know, authors like Whitley Strieber um, who are talking about it. But that was about it. So it's still relatively unknown. And that brings up the question, like, is this something that, like, that is put forth by the government to do things like break up these uh, support groups or, you know, these areas where people are talking about this and bringing it to light, things like that. Like, is that what it is? Or is this something that is brought on by the extraterrestrials themselves to do the same thing, to get people to not notice them or to like you were referring to your book, how it wants to be seen, but also doesn't at the same time. So it, yeah. it's like, are these from them or are these from us? You know, like, is this our counter to it or is this their, you know, their offense? You know, it's probably all of this and more. <laughs> I mean, if only it was such a simple topic and it's such a simple um reason why this stuff is happening but it's so complex because you would you would think certain things would be you know when you start researching it you think oh well this this has to be why they're doing it in this case and maybe it is but then you look at another case that's similar but yet there's a different like reason behind it Mm -hmm. and it just it makes it go nuts (laughs) like just trying to figure out the reason behind it and why this is happening so there's one more call that came in then the next day um, this is the the only other call that they received. This is at ten twenty one p.m. Um, present was Gary, his dad, and his uncle, his uncle Tom. And you can play that. Yes, this is me. Can I speak to you? Can I ask why you're? Yes, can I ask why you're calling? Can I please ask? Yes, this is. 
Yes, that is me. Say that again. Leave. I'm staying right here. Is this a joke or what? tell you something I've been listening to you and I've had contacts with you government interference you have please explain what type of interference from the dark side of the moon. Okay, um... What branch of the government? What, uh, what should I do? So that was it. Wow. Um, so, you know, again, to your guys' point earlier, you know, is government involved with this sort of stuff? Well, now you have this entity referring specifically to government um, and saying things like government interference, visitations to be disrupted by them, you know, and it will, why are they there? And then the entity says to visit the many to be contacted as the same with you. But it's that fragmented speech again. Um, but here we have this fourth and final call, the night you know, the next night, but it's it's coming back a lot more powerful, like the first call from the first night. Um, what's in, also interesting about this is when I was looking at the style of calls, um, I counted uh, 17 
instances of the voice in the first call, 16 in the second, 15 in the third, then back up to 17 again in the fourth. And again, it becomes less audible in that first night as it progresses. Um, is there a pattern to this? I know, I thought this was just very similar in nature to how people describe um, the patterns of speech in the MIB face-to-face uh, -face mm -hmm. encounters. Um, you know, uh, there's another researcher, his name is uh, Timothy Frick. Um, he's also looked into this stuff. Uh, he says his theory is that the MIB could be artificial beings similar to like a robot or Android, but a lot more complex. Wow. See, my, my, um, my idea of the UFO after, after reading the book and after talking with you, Justin, uh, one, one thing I asked myself and was like, I'm kind of going back and referring to the, the Skinwalker Ranch where the creature was uh, playing with the investigators and just kind of uh, showing them but not uh, well, giving them something but not really showing itself fully. Mm -hmm. It's like I, I can't help but think that maybe maybe the extraterrestrials are maybe testing us and trying to see how we react and like if before they make full contact, if mm -hmm. anything. Or, or even then, just just playing with us. It's like a question that kind of came to mind. That's an interesting. Um, that's an interesting take, Daniel. Because in the abduction reports that we get, um, a lot of people, a lot of abductees are shown these um, images of like end times in the world, but wow. they're they always keep changing. Um, you know, why is this? Originally, we thought it was maybe the uh, visitors or entities are trying to warn the abductees to or to tell them to give them information to warn other people that, hey, the world is ending. Right. You got to do something about this. But they never give them a solution. Yeah. Um, and then we began thinking, well, maybe it's just to gauge our reaction. Right, maybe it's right. just to test the emotions and to see how they would respond to these particular images. Maybe. Yeah, that, that leads me to this other um, kind of question that I would like to, I mean, just think about it, like, uh, before I ask it, just kind of, just based on your opinion and speculation, of course, do, do you think that humanity is ready for that? you think that we're ready for that other life form, other being, if, and, you know, if, if it does exist? Mm -hmm. um, do you think that we would be ready for that? I mean, that's a really good question. Yeah. That's going under the presumption that these things are coming from out there. Right, right, right. I don't think it's that. I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's it's quite that um, black and white. Mm -hmm. Because, okay. you know, there's indications to, to believe that maybe these visitors are coming from out there, meaning outer space. But there's also indication to believe that maybe they're coming from within us. They may be coming from within um, the oceans. Okay. Um, or that they're already here. Yeah, or that they're already here. Maybe they've always existed here. Um, I find it very interesting how when you trace back through history, human history, you see a lot of the same things. It's just we refer to it as something else. You know, a demon, a witch, a flying person, you know. Um, it could be all one and the same. It's just coming across as these different forms. Um, it, it's kind of like... Um, <clears throat> I like to think about it as well as like with with like uh, superheroes. You know, I'm I'm a big nerd. We're all big nerds here, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, with like superheroes and and that pop culture phenomenon, where it's like, where do the people get these ideas from? Like, where, where you know, how do you how do you just come up with something like that? Yeah. And and even then, like just like technology or just advances in humanity over time. Mm -hmm. like, how do, how are people able to do that? Just out of their minds. It's right. like it makes you think that maybe it's coming from something else, or you know. Yeah. But, I mean, the the question. Is no, it should no longer be, are they here, but why are they here? There's just too much overwhelming evidence, reports, testimony from people yeah. 
just explain experiencing this phenomenon and we just cannot discount it anymore it's just it's there's too much um but you know going back to your point let's say this is an otherworldly mm-hmm. type thing right are we prepared for that were we ever prepared for that um how would this change people's perceptions of reality? How right. would this change people's culture? How would they, it would change their their religion? Um, this is stuff that has always been asked and addressed. Um, could we handle it? Yeah, because because I think about it kind of like this: it's like humans. Unfortunately, there's just a lot that divides us, you know. Yeah. Like you mentioned, because we're idiots, man. <laughs> it's like between race, religion, and politics. It's like with that would that phenomenon with that appearance maybe unify us or would it make it just even add something else to divide and something well, else to <laughs> uh, former president Ronald Reagan used to say this a lot. Um, he, there's a famous thing you can look up on YouTube. It's um, when he was addressing the United nations mm-hmm. about what, what would happen if we, uh, if we did uh, get an otherworldly threat, how quickly would it unify us and unite us right. as just one race of people, you know, is earthlings right right but independence day you know (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. independence day but i mean yeah maybe that would um but here's another thing to think about a lot of people who subscribe to this theory that they're coming from out there and that the government is hiding all this information right Right, the usual conspiracy this conspiracy Mm -hmm. that there might be something to it but maybe and again i'll probably get a lot of heat for this people probably say oh you're part of the conspiracy now but what if what if the people in the know who are aware of this who have been studying this you know military government whatever what if they knew something that we didn't what if the conspiracy was actually for our benefit what if revealing this information would open up some sort of doorway that we could never shut or that we're not ready for or that i mean we're not ready for you you know, that, that was one of my points that I wanted to bring up. Stephen Hawking has said that, you know, for us to make first contact would be a big mistake because we wouldn't be prepared and we don't know what we'd be dealing with. And yeah. knowing how humans are with things that we don't understand, it would, like you said, it would rock the foundation of everything that humans have known to believe forever. Like not just uh, science, but as far as like you said religion uh mythology all of this stuff would just be completely it would it would shatter what we know Mm -hmm. and it would cause hysteria like mass hysteria i think and i mean if that makes sense that you know the government might know something that uh, here's a big news flash the government might care about you know us but I mean, because I always wonder that too. Maybe they're protecting us. Protecting they're doing the... it for our well-being, man. <laughs> but let's let's like go back to what we were talking about earlier in the conversation with the tulpas and the thought forms and yeah. such, right? So, what if this phenomenon is like a thing that's tied to us, to our consciousness? And what if just merely accepting it as reality just enhances it to like an extent where we cannot yeah. stop it? Yeah. In essence, maybe even end of the world type situations here. You know, I mean, this is like, again, all speculation, <laughs> Yeah. but this is some, this is serious stuff, right? This is serious topics. These are, yeah. these are things, these are, this could oh, have yeah. more implications than we ever, we ever believed. Or and that's true. Cause we don't know what, we don't know what it is. We don't know what we're dealing with. It could be like, I mean, we're, we're trying to, you know, hold on to our, 
um, generalization that this is another species that is like us that are, you know, that have their own world and that have their own technology. But what we don't know is that it could not even be a species. Like I remember when I was a kid, there was this movie on, uh, on Disney channel called a uh, xenon girl of the 21st Dude. century in the sequel in the sequel of that movie aliens, aliens aliens come to the to their contact. ship but they're just little things of light yeah and that they're seeing these things of light and they don't know what it is and then they see the big alien at the end and it's just like this big it's really like cool looking like i don't know it's like just lights so i mean it could be that it's not even a humanoid form that maybe this is just something that we are throwing in from everything that we've been fed or everything that we are trying to understand from what we know of what we've been you know conditioned or raised to think you know again we're trying to put it into our framework exactly and i think um i think hollywood has some something to do with it because of you just kind of grow up watching all these other these these fantasies where it's like oh you know the societies were green purple red aliens are living amongst us and then it's like there's like so much technological advances and there's like cities that are uh, like that or like you know intergalactic travel and like speed uh, uh, i forgot the what do you call that it's star what? trek or uh, like interstellar travel no uh, no no, no. Like starships no, 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 no. Uh, um hyperspace dude. yes <laughs> i don't know i just I had a brain fart right there but yeah you know like stuff like that and so then it's like we're we're letting our imaginations kind of run wild with that and it's like that's what we're that's what we expect mm-hmm. but we should be um we're gonna it's what we're expecting but when we're at least expecting it's actually something else something yeah yeah you know yeah definitely because like sometimes stuff like that happens when you least expect it kind of like you know my own personal experience like i wasn't expecting anything to happen i wasn't expecting to even see anything i was just like messing around i wasn't in the kind of state of mind where i was expecting something to happen i mean you're just going night fish yeah (laughs) yeah i was just i was just trying to go like night fishing maybe catch some fish like relax have a good time that's what i was fully expecting and i got you know quite the exact opposite and actually like uh going back to uh to paul you know uh, when he says that whole spiel about you know the reason he looks so obvious is because he's been fed like, <laughs> yeah. and then he says we they've done that for the you know the hope that when we do actually make contact you won't like freak out and piss your pants like the guy wow. did and I mean, like, like he they did it anyway them, like he shaped yeah. himself into that just to fit our our or that the government be. yeah was feeding this image oh, of aliens to okay, people okay. so that when it actually happened gotcha. okay. they wouldn't see, freak out I see, I see. Yeah. you know but actually i'm glad that he brought up the whole hollywood thing because this is something that i've been wanting to talk to you about so i'm a huge fan of like horror movies and you know and there was this one movie that i saw that changed my life when i was younger uh it's called the fourth kind and so this oh, movie, yeah. have you seen it? Yeah, I know exactly. So when I first saw the trailer for this movie, uh, I was I was a kid and I saw the trailer and I was like, man, this looks crazy, scary, looks awesome. Like I asked my sister, I was like, hey, can you watch this with me? Because I don't want to watch it by myself. <laughs> and then she's like, nah, dude, I don't want to watch that. Yeah, that movie was creepy. Yeah. Bro. And so the next day, man, I remember I watched it the first time and it scared me. And I was like, dude, I want to watch that. Man, again. I, gotta, and I literally watched I gotta it. I got to watch like, that. There's, I, a, there's a lot of movies that I have not seen that really you guys good, have. Dude, dude, dude <laughs> the fourth time is crazy. So like, I watched it like three times in this day. 
And this was back, you know, before I did any research about it. And, you know, I believed everything that they were saying. Later on, I did do research on the validity of what was being portrayed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I found out that it was fake. Like all, all yep. the, all, everything was, you know, it was like a mockumentary. And so, but even though it was fake, I still sort of take the things that I learned from this movie and put it into my own perspective of what um, what these things are. And I just wanted to know if, and, and it's good that you've seen the movie, and I, I just want to know if if any of that is kind of falls in line to what you've seen. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, the fact that, um, oh man, there's one line that every time I freaking hear it, it just runs, it makes chills run down my spine, man. It's when... Um, when the like it's the real part of the video where the girl is being interviewed by the doctor and then he's just like you know how come you can't recall these things like why why do you have to be under hypnosis to to recall all these events or the things that you see and then she's like you know how can i how can i remember something i'm being forced to forget and every time I hear that, I'm just like, fuck, like, because like the whole thing in the movie is that all these people who have been abducted and all these people who have had these experiences, they don't know what's going on and they can't explain it because there's like a veil. That's what they're being shown, like the owl outside of the room or, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, like, you know, freaking out or whatever. That's what they see. <laughs> but it's not what's actually happening. And it's like what the aliens have right. done to sort of trick them into you know all the whole probing and blah blah blah, blah, blah. right so there that is that does have a basis in in reality as far as the abduction research is concerned um a lot of times abductees will have uh, trouble recalling their experiences um because they'll be what's called uh, screen memories and these are things that um are, are put into place to kind of like block you from seeing the reality of the situation. So a great analogy would be like, remember the old computers when you had screensavers and they actually served a purpose to prevent a uh, screen burning from the image being on the monitor at the time. If you kept it up for a long period of time, it would actually burn into the image. So when you turned off the monitor, you would still see that, oh, that image. Oh, okay. I did not know. I that. didn't yeah. know that either. Wow. Yeah. So that's why the screensaver. It was saving your screen. Oh, yeah. Interesting. You can tell how old we are. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I just dated myself. Oh. So, um, well, what's interesting about this is um, there's one abduction researcher. His name is Dr. Dave Jacobs. Um, he's a good one to look into, and Bud Hopkins and uh, John Mack. Those are like the three top guys. Um, two of them are deceased. One of them lives in Philadelphia, Dave Jacobs. Um, he had looked into this, and he found that with abductees, they have this screensaver, and it could appear as um, these animals, like owls, um, that'll just appear. And the abductee will just be so like obsessed with owls, but they'll be so um, afraid of owls too. Why is that? It's just an irrational fear, or is it? And then they found out that the, the owl is like a screensaver memory, and it's actually the alien, the, or the entity. It's a very similar um, look, right? Mm-hmm. With the big eyes and all that sort of stuff. But it doesn't just stop at owls. It could be other um, animal screen memories, like a, a deer in the middle of the road um, right before they have their experience. There's all these different things. Um, Mike Cleland, uh, he is a researcher who's looked specifically into owls and UFOs and the alien abduction phenomenon. He's a good person to look into. Um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. 
Yeah, man, that because I mean, it's funny because I did eventually watch it with my sister, and now she gets freaked out when she sees owls <laughs> for the same reason, because <laughs> she always like connects like the owls with these abduction things, because that's what they said in the wow. movie. They'd be like, before anything happened, rap, man. They they're, they're known for another omen in at least Mexican culture, but they're so, they're they're known for yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of things yeah. uh, like in ancient egyptian culture too and like the whole like illuminati thing like <laughs> how the owl is like the head of the illuminati yeah. because oh, it's dang. the most wise or whatever but man that scene in the fourth kind where like it pant like it follows the owl's head as it turns all the way around dude that's oh, fucked me up that, man. that was <laughs> creepy bro it's crazy man and that and i thought this was real as a kid and i'm like dang so someone had told me at one time um, at a conference, uh, they told me that owls are thought to be what are known as a, a psychopomp, which means they are carriers from this world to the next. So oh, maybe wow. that's what you're thinking of, perhaps? Mm. Maybe in like a spiritual, uh, I cultural mean, the, thing. The, the oh, main, like the an main, alebrije. Uh, yeah, yeah, but no, the main thing is that what I've heard, at least from my parents, uh, they're like a, an omen of, um, like if you encounter one, it's like, well, the reason, okay, like death. So the reason why, um, they think that it's because oh my dad encountered an owl one night um in this house we used to live and um it's like a bunch of woods and in that house and so he encountered the owl that particular night and then like a couple days later like i think his his godmother died in mexico and <laughs> and it's just like i guess it's that coincidence or i don't know um i, I don't fully know or understand the entire culture of that but my mom says yeah. the same thing about black butterflies. Like whenever there are black butterflies flying around our house or like in front of our yard, she's like, someone's going to die. <laughs> and oh I mean, I don't know if it's actually happened, <laughs> that's, but, that's just but she says, she says that like whenever there's a black butterfly flying around you, that means someone, you know, is going to die. Well, and she believes it. And I've, I've heard too, that it's like, if a butterfly lands on your shoulder, you're going to die or something like that. Same <laughs> thing with like, you. like uh, if they see if, like weird. same thing, if they see something, someone die in their dreams, they believe that it's it's real like my mom has woken me up in the middle of the night and told me that she dreamed that i've died and i'm like dude i'm literally right here like i'm fine <laughs> and like she's she that's happened to her because i mean i think that's a cultural yeah thing, that, because that's, that's, you know they're so mm -hmm. tied into what they believe that it's it's right, real right. for them you know and, and i think it's kind of stupid but i mean yeah, i mean, but, it, I mean it, it goes back to that topo i'm thing, a dumb you know? american what do i know you know like <laughs> i'd walk around a cemetery yeah. I think, but you know it's crazy. I mean, like, a, like oftentimes, like, with those kinds of things, it's, like, you don't really, like, believe those kinds of things until it, like, happens to you, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. And that's, like, with a lot of these reports that I write about, you know, people are like, oh, come on, that couldn't have happened. Well, you know, look, I wasn't there to say it did happen, but <laughs> yeah. I wasn't there to say it didn't happen either. Yeah, exactly. But you won't really uh, wrap your head around this and how impressive, how extraordinary these events are until it actually does happen to you. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one thing I really appreciate about the way that you handle these situations is like you go in it with that sense. It's not skepticism, but oh, sorry, <laughs> it's not skepticism, but it's not, you know, full on belief either. It's it's approaching it with a logical sense first and then more of a a connection later because I mean, especially with, you know, the way the media has portrayed paranormal things to be happening, like shows like ghost hunters and like scary movies and things like that. Like if you see a book fall off the shelf, boom, it's a ghost. No, maybe there's like a rat behind it that just pushed it, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and I like that you, you, you approach it from 
sort of that middle ground, accepting that there is no black and white, that it is a gray area, that all we can do is pick up pieces of what we've, uh, of, you know, of what we think is fact and put it together to find correlation, to find um, things that, you know, that, that are true and maybe find some fact within all these different patterns and things like that. And I think that that's a, that's a really healthy way to sort of view these things is a really, um, instead of just full on throwing yourself at the idea that this is a ghost at the idea that this is like Sasquatch or something like that, you know, it's, it's more of just observing it's, it's observation. And then it's making, it's making, um, connections between these observations. And I really appreciate that about you because I mean, before even like reading your book or talking to you, I was the same way, like black or white, like, no, you know, I don't believe that you saw that. I believe that you think you saw that, but you know, I don't believe that you saw that, but I mean, this stuff is here and it's, it's happening whether, whether we perceive it a certain way or not, you know? And I think that it's, it's, it's important to sort of not give people the benefit of the doubt, but understand where people are coming from, Mm -hmm. from all different points, not just from this phenomenon, like you say, like observing everything else within their life. Like maybe they were in a super stressful, you know, time period in their life when things were happening. And that sort of explains things like you kind of view it from all these different angles. And I think that that's really, uh, it's, it's a really smart and really, um, yeah, it, it makes a good way to approach things. It's definitely like changed that. my way of, of kind of perceiving it as well as like uh, not something to be so much as afraid of, uh, but it's more like something that, like you said, we'll never fully understand it. And if we focus too much on it, and it's like we're, we're never going to fully understand exactly, it. Exactly. Because and it's we're, like we're, we're just trying to this, put it in a box. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, I like that. Putting it in the box, and then it's like, yeah. uh, it's like I need to know, I need to know. Mm-hmm. And then you get hysterical, you get obsessed, and then it's like your life is ruined because of it. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, I'm so glad that you guys um, recognize that because that was the whole point of the book, was just to present all these findings, just to present this for <laughs> what it's worth. Yeah. You know, you, you figure it out. You know, But if right, I, right. I may not have answers in this book or in my research, but if I can just get you to ask the questions then you're going to do your own research. You're going to find you're going to find some things that I wasn't aware of. You're going to be able to contribute to this and share with the rest of the world some interesting insight. Mm-hmm. And it starts when we approach it from a different angle. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously with the internet, there's so much crap out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, much yeah. easily Fakes. fall into like yeah. a rabbit yeah. hole and then it's just like, oh And it God. just doesn't, it, that stuff drives me nuts yeah. because it's like... Yeah. Like all those like ghosts caught on tape or like <laughs> 20, 20 unexplained shows. videos on the internet, man. I stay up to like four in the morning watch those things. <laughs> right, right. But I, I mean, I, don't, I can't believe any of that stuff because it just, it looks too real to be real. But there's no denying there is something happening here. Um, people yeah. just are experiencing something. What What is it? Um, or maybe we're just not meant to know. You know, maybe we're just not meant to figure it out. Maybe we're just meant to experience it and that's it. And I think that that's, that's really important because that's, that's one of the, um, one of the issues that I have with, uh, with, uh, being raised in the religion that I was is everyone trying to put their own, like trying to make their own understanding and then teaching that to other people. And that could not be right. And I think that maybe there are some things that we aren't supposed to know or that, Mm you know, like they say, like some doors are better left shut, things like that, because for the same reason, we are not able to comprehend that, you know, Mm -hmm. they say like God works in mysterious ways. And like, Mm -hmm. who are we to try to put those ways into our own way of thinking? Like we can't, we don't think the same way. I can, I can relate to that so much. Cause then there's people that like, 
they they think that they, they, you can have your own perception and idea of what religion is but then it's like you can't really push that onto other people as well because of that you, you know people get a little on their high horse and it's like it just makes it worse it just, or it just doesn't it defeats the message and the purpose of it you know because it's yeah. like oh well you know i feel like it's this and you know you're doing this wrong and it's like you're gonna Cause go to it's, because it's for or, us to experience yeah, it yeah you it's know, more us to have our own journey mm-hmm. you know it's funny you should bring that up i mean again you know bringing this all full circle yeah. right so um for a long time um you know i had kept my interest in this topic separate from my interest in um, faith and Christianity and such. Dude, I would too. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine, yeah. dude, like <laughs> yeah. the scrutinizing you. Oh my go gosh. Through, yeah. Like, even, even now, but I think I'm at a healthier point because, you know, again, I think I mentioned this in the first part of our show uh, or our conversation. You know, I am a very spiritual, spiritual person. I consider myself a, a Christian. I align with the Christian religion. Um, but, you know, I, I prayed on it, right? Like, all right, God, like, why are you um, allowing me to have this curiosity? Why are you allowing me to have um, this interest in these subjects that are typically thought of as like, you know, no, no, yeah, taboo, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if, if you don't want me to continue to keep uh, pursuing this or studying this, then I won't. But then what I realized is having an interest in that allowed me to have the conversations with people who don't have a spiritual or religious background who don't know anything about that who never consider looking at it from a theological lens or like a spiritual lens um so presenting these topics has allowed me to have those one-on-one conversations but again i'm very careful and cautious not to force my beliefs my ideals or sorry Mm -hmm. (laughs) bumping in the microphone here Mm -hmm. um forcing my beliefs on other people because again it's more profound, it's more impactful when you have your own experience, whether it's something paranormal, spiritual, divine, whatever, supernatural. Um, you're not going to believe it or truly begin to start to grasp the reality of this until you go through it, until you have that experience. You know, I can only present these things and you take it for what it's worth. You know? Right, right. It's like, it's allowing people to come to their own realization yeah, that yeah. there is something out there. But I think there is something out there. Um, I definitely believe there's something out there. It's just, I just don't believe we're like really meant to understand it, you know? Yeah. Even like when you consider like the nature of God, right. You know, jumping off of what you were saying, Kevin, um, he never appeared to people in Mm -hmm. the Bible in his truest form because it would just like, people couldn't handle it. People couldn't handle it. It was always something else, a burning bush, a pillar of smoke or fire. Um, even, um, you know, the figure of Jesus, there's always something else. Even when how Jesus talked to his disciples, it was always in uh, parables, yes, right? Yes, <laughs> It's in illustrations. I like that because then it makes you think and it makes, yeah. you, makes you come to your own conclusion as That's well. That's right, yeah. yeah. I think that this phenomenon is operating in a similar way. It's coming through in ways that we can uh, comprehend and perceive, even if that's not truly its truest form, like with your reference to Paul, the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you are you worried at all that you might be poking at, you know, a sleeping giant <laughs> and that, you know, you might go a little too far and you will know something that no one's supposed to know or mm-hmm. things like that? Like, are you worried about crossing that threshold into where you can't go back, where you have been, like, yeah. 
for lack of a better word, fucked up. You know, or like I get a knock from the government guys at the yeah. door. Yeah, like, man. Or like, like never hear from Justin again <laughs> from the and, FBI. You know, it's like the men in black appear to you and they're like, "Yo, you need to chill, dude." <laughs> I feel I feel bad at this point if anything happens yeah, to you because like yeah, no, we're right. involved now. We're accomplices, man. Like well, you shared your secrets. And like <laughs> sleep tight, then. Oh god. <laughs> All right, I gotta get a gun now. No, I'm just kidding. yeah, no, that's I'm, not gonna work. I don't care. I just feel protected <laughs> against no. an alien. Hey, look, you know, yes. I, I will not lie. There have been moments that I've thought, oh, crap, am I getting in too deep, right? Um, especially, you know, weird things have happened. You know, I won't, I won't lie. Um, there have been some pretty freaky things that have happened. And yes, I've gotten too close. Um, so I've I'm, had to I'm back sorry off. to cut in. Was it something more of like the lines of like extraterrestrial or something like that? Um, have you like have you gotten close to that phenomenon at all? Whatever you want to call it. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, there have been effects, you know. Okay. Um, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. There, I mean, this. When you begin to get in really deep with this sort of stuff, and this is what why you have to have a healthy um, perspective. Like you have to keep distance um, because it can become an obsession, and then you, you just be, you begin to lose your mind. You know, and I've seen this with other researchers. You know, um, especially people who look into like the demonology end of it. They become they become so fixated on the dark ends of it that they never balance themselves out. And they forget about why they got into it to begin with. And they don't realize it, but then the phenomenon begins to take advantage of them. Again, like I said earlier, this is a very manipulative, deceptive, and um, it's a very, uh, can be playful and also trickster-like. So we need to be very, very (laughs) careful and always have that distance. Um, I think, and I never realized it because things would follow me back after cases all the time. And it wasn't until I, I came back to my faith, I, I then um, balanced out my life, you know, starting to look at these things from the lighter end, too. And hey, you know, I have nothing to fear. You know, I have, I have, th- I have a faith that protects me and keeps me grounded and solid. And I think, um, again, you know, I'm trying to turn this into a Sunday sermon, but <laughs> you got to keep yourself grounded. If you're going to get involved with all these weird things... You need to consider the, the the opposite too, right? I think that yeah. goes for. I'm sorry. I think that goes for kind of a lot of different uh, things in life because it's like sometimes you're you're going like I feel like with this with this show with this podcast like I feel like if I'm, I don't stay grounded to something as well, I could mm-hmm. eventually kind of lose my lose the train of thought. Yeah, and, or lose the, origi- lose the original vision. That yeah, you yeah, right. and it's like yeah. um, it goes for people who are doing extraordinary things too, just yeah. like uh, outside of phenomenons or um, you know, you kind of have to reevaluate every now and then, yeah. and just like slow it down and take like okay. Even when we take this on another level with like um, our personal lives, right? Yeah, like when yeah. you find like a good partner that balances you out, keeps you grounded, you know, surrounds you with good positivity and encouragement, then you found somebody for life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having good friends, having good families, good role models, like that's, that's so important. Right. Um, right. It goes beyond just this weirdo stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I know that, you know, especially coming from uh, a spiritual background, if you believe in the good, if you believe in the highest good and everything, I, you'd be a fool to not think that there's an equal and opposite yeah. counterpart to that. Yeah, you right. know, like we can't. We can't accept, you know, the goodness and, and blessings without realizing that curses exist and yeah. without realizing that bad things and there are bad things out there that have bad agendas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I know 
I mean, not to sort of generalize it all as being evil or as being something that is harmful or malicious. Um, I do like there's there there's a part of me that has to say that some of it has to be dark things things that oh, yeah. that aren't you know here to benefit us yeah, in any yeah. way like i understand that yeah there's things that are probably neutral to us and neutral mm-hmm. to and are just experiencing things as we are but i i also have to believe that there are things that with malicious intent mm-hmm. that you know are meant to break you down yeah like oh, yeah. the way that you know demons are supposed to operate is to crumble you down to where you lose yourself and they can then prey upon you and you know mm-hmm. that that's why it's it if it, it, it seems like it would be something that you would be really afraid of you know now here's something to think about so you know going into like government studies and such um did you have, are you guys familiar with the a tip no um, what thing? is that A-tip, no tune into the last part of the spectrum part four to find out what a tip is see you next week and thank you for listening